Before we begin here, I just want to give some context. My dad and I recorded what we started off thinking was just going to be another installment of Dad Take or Bad Take. It expanded into a much longer and wider ranging discussion than what we expected, and I don't think it would do it justice to cut it up. So here is the discussion in its entirety, released as its own episode. I hope everyone enjoys. All right, and we are back with another installment of what I think is the people's favorite segment. And that is, of course, Dad Take or Bad Take featuring my dad, Mitch Harris. Dad, it's been a while since we've done one of these. It is always a hit. And uh, welcome back on the podcast. Thanks, Will. Really happy to be here. Glad to have you. So, you know, it's no secret and... For reference, considering this will be released early next week, we're recording this on Thursday evening after the Yankees just got swept by the Los Angeles Angels. Um, of Anaheim. <laughs> of Anaheim. The California Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, it's no secret that this has been a disappointing season, and I think there are varying opinions that exist on Yankees Twitter and among Yankees fans about what has caused that disappointing season or how reasonably any of us could have expected such a disappointing season or what ought to be done to remedy or respond to such a disappointing season. But I know you're disappointed. So, you know, just off the top, what what comes to mind when you think about this season? What have your reactions been um, just at a very high level? Because we'll get into things like blame and what you think ought to be done but as someone who has rooted for the Yankees his entire life who has seen them have very high highs but also very low lows how how do you respond to what they've done this year a few things come to mind will the first one and this is a theme that you'll hear throughout my comments today uh is that this team was constructed not to be very successful. And I know that uh, you and Whipple uh, expressed great optimism about this team for an awful long time. Um, and my thesis is that this team wasn't built to succeed. And I want to talk about some statistics in that regard. But We can do that. The other thing is... I've heard it said a number of times on the Yankees Files podcast that really what you're trying to do is you're trying to just get into the playoffs, get into the tournament, and then hope that you get hot. And you cite the Phillies as an example of a team that has done that, and that's certainly possible in, to use an NHL uh, phrase. You know, you run into a hot goaltender, you got sure. a hot keeper, and um, – you know, that person takes you all the way to Lord Stanley's Cup. And that's certainly possible, but that's not really a recipe for success. A recipe for success is to build a very, very strong team and to hope and expect that that team will perform well in the long run, not to hope that you catch lightning in a bottle once you limp into the playoffs. So I think the perspective that we've expressed is being mischaracterized here, but I'll let you continue. Okay, well, I, I, it's not my intention to mischaracterize it. My point is just that my overarching point is 
that this was not a team that was built to succeed. Okay, so I think that allows us to get into some of your more specific criticisms. Sure, and and what you've heard me say is that this team has a six-man lineup. And I'm here to tell everyone, all your listeners and the metaverse, that I was wrong. <laughs> it, it's way fewer than six? Yes, it's four. Um, this team, the usual starters, the likely starters in this team, if you count Aaron Judge, who is, doesn't play because he's injured, has four hitters who are above league average when it comes to WRC+. Plus. Four. I can't believe my own father just cited WRC+. Plus. I don't That's know if I've right. ever been so proud. Thank you. Four hitters that are above league average on WRC+. Plus. And some of them are grievously below league average, including uh, Trevino at 59 and Cabrera at 58 at the time that I compiled these stats. And But what I also did was I looked at career WRC plus for some of these players. DJ LeMayhew, the vaunted DJ LeMayhew, which is French for the Mayhew. It is. Uh, career WRC plus 101. Yeah, he was a 100 WRC plus hitter going into 2022, and the Yankees had a year before given him $90 million to play until he's 37. Very average. IKF, 82. Yep, he's Higgy, bad. 72. Awful. Bader, 96, below average. Yeah, Bader is kind of a different case because Harrison Bader with a 96 WRC plus and the level of center field defense that he plays is a very valuable player. But Harrison Bader in a miserable slump when you're depending on him to be one of the main bats on the team, which is a situation the Yankees found themselves in, is much worse and ought not be in that situation. I absolutely agree. He was not put in a position to succeed. So four above average hitters on this on this team. Now let's look at a team that won the World Series, the last Yankees team that won the World Series, which is the 2009 Yankees. How many of those players had a WRC plus that was above average? The answer to that is eight out of nine, not four out of nine, eight out of nine. And the one who was below was Melky Cabrera, the Milkman Delivers, at 93. And I'm just going to read you the WRC pluses for these players from 2009. Posada, 125. Teixeira, 141. Cano, 121. Jeter, 125. A-Rod, 138. Damon, 118. I already gave you Cabrera. Swisher, 122. Matsui, 123. That is a team that's built to win. That's not a four-man lineup. Okay, so that that's all well and good, but I don't think you can take this post-hoc analysis of how good the 2009 Yankees turned out to be and say, therefore, we should have known going into 2023 that this iteration of the Yankees would be bad. How was Robinson Cano in 2008? Okay. How did we know that Derek Jeter was going to have the best season of his career in 11 years as a 35-year-old shortstop. There were a lot of improbable outcomes that happened to the 2009 team as well. They just happened in a positive direction. Really good question, Will. And that's why we'll look at the 2009 Yankees' career WRC pluses. No, but that's not the point. Because if you were to look at Giancarlo Stanton's career WRC plus, you would say, oh man, that guy should be in this lineup every day. But I bet you're disappointed with the way Giancarlo Stanton is playing. Well, I just gave you the career WRC pluses of four of the guys on this Yankees team, 
and that's DJ at 101, IKF at 82, Higgy at 72, Bader at 96. Just indulge me and listen sure. to the career WRC pluses of the 2009 Yankees. Posada, 123, Teixeira, 127, Cano, 124, Jeter, 119, A-Rod, 141, Damon, 105, Cabrera, 101. You're giving Robinson Cano and Melky Cabrera a lot of credit for stuff they did after 2009. I'm just I'm just looking at people's careers. Swisher 114, <laughs> Matsui 119. What I'm saying is this team was built to win. These were proven good players, and the Yankees don't care to put one through nine proven good players on their team. They're willing to accept what I think should be unacceptable, which are the likes of... Higashioka Bad. and IKF, Bad. just as examples. Uh, so what I'm saying is when we talk about this team as if this is a team that ought to contend for the World Series, any team can catch lightning in a bottle. That's true. Again. And even this lousy team could. But they're not built to be a consistently successful team. So I have, I have a number of reactions to that. First of all, your analysis where you give guys credit for what they did after the season that you're citing is a little bit disingenuous. Like, yeah, Robinson Cano became an MVP candidate four years later. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that when he's coming off a season in which he had .2 war, you can be like, oh, the Yankees should have felt great about coming into 2009 with Robinson Cano. Melky Cabrera ultimately won a batting title or almost won a batting title in a season in which he got suspended for steroid use. That season juiced his career numbers. Melky Cabrera hadn't hit a lot prior to 2009, didn't hit a lot in 2009. Derek Jeter, again, was going into his age 35 season at shortstop. How were we to know that he was going to suddenly have the best season he had had in a decade? Uh, Jorge Posada was out of the league not four years later and had an incredible season. I think... If you're going to talk about this year's Yankees team the way that you are, I think it's important that we acknowledge that if you did that career WRC Plus analysis, you would see that Anthony Rizzo, really good hitter in his career. Giancarlo Stinn, really good hitter in his career. Glaber Torres, for his position, really good hitter in his career. Hell, you know who would look really good in that analysis? Josh Donaldson. Right, but everybody knows that Josh Donaldson has been way past his prime. But what I'm trying to say, Will, is why would you think Derek Jeter? Your question really is, in 2009, why would you think Derek Jeter would be good? My question is, why would you think he would be as good as he was in 2009? Uh, I No one can predict what anybody is going to do in a particular year. But you know from a track record what people look like, and you knew that Jeter was a good player, just as you know that Higashioka is a garbage player. Okay, so that is a great answer. That's a great answer. And that gets me to the thing that I am most focused on with this team, which is I would argue that the biggest reason that this team has underperformed is that numerous guys on whom they thought they would depend for offense are having unusually bad offensive years. DJ LeMahieu, if he were just a league average hitter, would be like 20 points of WRC plus better than where he is today. Giancarlo Stan, if he was playing to the back of his baseball card, would be like 30 points better than he is today. Anthony Rizzo has been the third worst qualified hitter in Major League Baseball for the last two months. 
And I think if this is if this is the standard you want to apply to your analysis, if you want to say the thing you should do is expect guys to play to their career numbers, then I think what you would see is that the Yankees were expecting guys to play to their career numbers. Those guys were DJ LeMahieu, Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, Aaron Judge, and Glaber Torres. Of those, only Glaber Torres and Aaron Judge have done so, and only Glaber Torres is healthy. So I I don't like look. I agree. I would rather the Yankees have good hitters at every position. It's something I've advocated for for the entirety of this podcast. It's something I've been criticized for, for undervaluing things that I don't care about, like defense and base running, because I want the Yankees to score runs. It's all I want them to do. I want them to outslug everyone. I want them to hit the most home runs in the league. Like I and, and it's ridiculous that I was ever criticized for that. But given that the Yankees clearly don't only have the priority of scoring the most runs in the league, they made investments in guys like Anthony Volpe, who they did reasonably expect to be a better hitter than IKF was last year and has kind of flirted with that and has been better defensively and creates value in other ways, and that's great. Um, but they expected that their guys who are around there to bop would bop, and they've either been hurt or they haven't bopped. And I'm, I'm wondering how you grapple with that because I think that's a clustered group of unlikely outcomes. Yeah, and... Um, the way I grapple with that, it goes back to my comment at the beginning, which I said they have a six-man lineup, which isn't acceptable in and of itself. You just gave me a five-man lineup. And you said, geez, if these five guys really hit, um, that would be great. Well, it would be great, but it wouldn't be a, tr a team built to win consistently. The 2009 Yankees were a team built to win consistently, up and down the lineup. You just gave me five guys who ought to hit, and they're not, by the way. And by the way, it's not only that they're not, but for some amount of time, they are on the IL um, for reasons that no one ever explains. And whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what? Mike Stanton has been <laughs> injured for large parts of every season that I can remember. Not 2018. Okay, I don't remember 2018, as we proved we earlier, prove today, earlier today actually. when I found That's out true. that Fra uh, uh, Francesco Molinari Francesco won the Open. Yes, I had no idea. I would have sworn I would have bet my life he didn't. That's but, an but extremely anyway. fair point. That's but an anyway, extremely fair point. Mike Stanton is, is always injured with injuries that we don't even, uh, don't even know what they are. We don't discern them. It's not like he falls in a heap on the field. It's just like, oh, Stanton's out of line. That's odd. And I want to just go back to somebody that I referred to in the podcast previously, and that's uh, the great Lou Gehrig, improbably struck down by a disease that. that incredibly coincidentally also bore his name. It's the most insensitive thing that's ever happened on Yankees Files. Do you think he ever played hurt? Do you think the Iron Horse ever played hurt maybe he had a little oblique strain do you think he ever played hurt do you think he contributed when he played hurt the yankees i go back to one of my theses throughout yankees files they don't care about winning individual regular season games so they don't care about putting the guy on the il um for for long stretches when i can't imagine that these guys don't play hurt football players who are in a much more physical realm than baseball players play hurt 
all the time and play hurt successfully all the time. And these snowflake baseball players cannot even walk on the field if they have a little break strain. <laughs> I, I think we've completely lost the plot here. Um, well, we I haven't. said Giancarlo Stanton has been a really good hitter for much of his career. You said he gets hurt a lot. Right. Both things could be true. Okay. <laughs> I mean, one isn't really a response to the other. Do I have to respond to every one of your points? I'd prefer if you did. Um, okay. So you're disappointed in the Yankees. You think they should have come into the season with a more complete lineup. That's what we've established so far. Exactly. And, and th- I go back to my original thesis. Not a team built to win consistently. A team, and I'm not even saying that this is your and Whipple's thesis, but it is a prevailing view among many people. Just get into the tournament, and then we'll see what happens. Well, if you get into a tournament with a garbage team, I know what's going to happen. You're going to lose. Well, Dad, the Yankees and Dodgers have the most wins in baseball since 2010. In that time, and shout out to Max Greenfield for pointing this out, in that time, they have combined for one World Series in a short court. Whoa. Whoa. In, I'm going to restart that. In that time, they have combined for one World Series in a COVID. <laughs> this is really like just a window into my life now. This is no longer an interview with my dad where he talks about the Yankees. This is just a window into my life and how I am treated and why I am the way I am. The Dodgers and Yankees have the most wins in Major League Baseball since 2010. And I don't even know if I'm leaving this in. Uh, and in that time, they have combined to win one World Series. It happened in a COVID-shortened season at a neutral site against the Tampa Bay Rays. That's what they've come up with. So that's the value of building teams that consistently compete or whatever it is you're talking about. That's what those two teams have gotten out of it. Meanwhile, as you love to point out, Who's won a World Series in that time? The Kansas City Royals, the Washington Nationals, the Chicago Cubs, the Philadelphia Phillies just went to the World Series, which is farther than the Yankees have gone in that span. So you are nodding at this like it confirms your point. I, I, I think it would be very hard for you to make the argument that that's what it does. I'm not going to argue that it confirms my point. But what I'm going to say is that good teams, well-constructed teams should win. They don't always win. That's absolutely right. And that's why you can't figure baseball, Susan. Oh, my goodness. Uh, good teams don't always win. It's, it's, it's not football. In football, the better team usually wins. In, yeah. In baseball, the better team doesn't always win. But all you can do is construct your team as well as you can. I agree with that. And you can't abdicate and put a guy like Kyle Higashioka on your team. You can't You're abdicate. You're talking about the backup catcher. And, and, okay, you can't abdicate and put a guy like IKF on your team. You're talking about a guy who was not supposed to be a starter going into the season. Well, you, you can't abdicate and put a guy like Josh Donaldson on your team, who all I you needed to that. see was last year. I agree with that. Um, And and so what, what my thesis is, is that, and I'm not saying you and Whipple subscribe to this theory, but I'm saying the Yankees do. They don't care about the regular season. They just care about getting into the tournament. And when they get into the tournament, we'll just see what happens. But because you can't figure baseball, 
if I'm Brian Cashman, I don't, I'm not, Brian Cashman is a weatherman. He doesn't have to be right because it's all so unpredictable and you can't figure it and who knows what will happen. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put something together and I'll hope that it works out, but I am not putting together the 2009 Yankees. And he knows it. So, I mean, I, I think there's more to the 2009 Yankees than you are remembering. Like, Melky Cabrera and Robinson Cano were by no means the established high-level major leaguers and, at, in Cano's case, like, top five players in the league that they became. Nick Swisher was coming off a season in which he was worth one war and hit for a 93 WRC+. He was only even a starter on the team because he was a replacement for the injured Xavier Nady. Um, we know what your feelings about A.J. Burnett are and were. Um, he was the number two starter. Chen Ming Wong, after getting hurt running the bases in Houston, was never the same again. Chad Godin and, you know, Sergio Mitre were starting ample games for that team. There are a lot of ways in which the construction of the 2009 Yankees was flawed. And did they hit their way out of it? Absolutely. But would it have been unreasonable to come into the season with Carlos Rodon, Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, Nestor Cortez, and the bullpen that the Yankees put together and say we may not hit our way out of it? Although we did lead the league in runs scored last year, but we can certainly pitch our way out of it. Like The thing that you're ignoring about the 2009 Yankees is that there was a pitching staff that was CeCe Sabathia, who was awful when he showed up, and a lot of question marks. And you're not focusing on the fact that the 2023 Yankees appeared to be an elite pitching staff with a few question marks in the lineup. And I don't feel like you, I don't feel like you're looking at the complete picture. Well, two things about that. The, the first thing is, and this is for a different time that, that you and Whipple can assess this. I don't know what Whipple has against Garrett Cole. I, I've listened <laughs> for a long time. And, and I just I just don't get it. I wish he'd cut the guy a break. Uh, you're right that they had reason to expect that they could pitch well, that this team could pitch well. And and I'm not here really to complain about this team's yeah, pitching. Yeah, broadly but, they have. But what I am here to complain about is, you know, you said, well, how could they have predicted that Cano would be a good player? Well, this talent evaluation is part of this. Well, what's the difference between investing in Melky Cabrera as a starter that year and investing in Anthony Volpe as a starter this year, except the fact that Everyone on the planet agrees that Anthony Volpe's floor and ceiling are much higher. Well, what I'm saying is that I they could be forgiven for a poor performing Volpe. Okay. They could be forgiven for a poor performing 2023 Cabrera as opposed to the sure. 2009 Cabrera. They could be forgiven for some of these things. They cannot be forgiven for Josh Donaldson. They cannot be forgiven for IKF. They cannot be forgiven for Higashi Oka, and I know you say he's a backup catcher. Okay, leave it aside. Like, what they, was Jose Molina's WRC plus? That's the comparison for he Higashi Oka. Was one of the Molina brothers. <laughs> he absolutely was one of the Molinas. There is no debating yeah, that. Yeah, you can't argue that. <laughs> um. So, I mean, I think the the thing that I keep coming back to is Cabrera. Higashioka, IKF, Donaldson, 
None of those guys, and we discussed this when we spoke in April, none of those guys ought to have been in the healthy starting lineup for the New York Yankees as they came into the season. We agree on that, right? Like, that, that, that's not how the team was built. Like, LeMahieu would be at third base. That erases the opportunity for Donaldson. Volpe would be at shortstop. That erases the opportunity for IKF. Trevino, who, again, in his own right, can't hit, um, would be at catcher. That erases the opportunity for Kyle Higashioka. This is almost... It's almost worse than the way I've been talking about your comparison to the 2009 team. It's almost like you said, um, man, Jerry Hairston Jr. and Eric Hinsky and Cody Ransom, these are the guys the Yankees are depending on. Like, no. You know why they weren't depending on them? Because every single player on that team, once A-Rod came back, every single position player was healthy for the entire year, which is an awesome thing. But that's not what happened. And it's not even like Aaron Judge isn't healthy because of some flaw of Aaron Judge. He kicked a wall, making an incredible catch, and he blew up his toe. Like, I don't know. What do you want me to do about it? Like, Harrison Bader got hit in the back. Like, I... Right. So, I guess what we're talking about, though, is the the replacements that you're talking... The people who are being replaced ain't so good. These are... It's not like the Yankees would have been great if... um, uh, well, you just gave Volpe as an example. Volpe's lousy. Volpe's lousy right now. He, if you compare him to shortstops in the league, grades out all right. Yeah, and and so what I'm what I'm talking about is look. Um, you and I both want the Yankees to be elite at every position. I think the question is how much can a team expect to win without being elite at every position? Because realistically, in the luxury tax era that we live in and with the way that teams are built and with the avoidance of giving out massive contracts to aging players, like teams do not go out and buy elite at every position. They don't do it. So the question is what, like if you build a team that everyone agrees it ought to win 98 games or 97 games, which is about where the Yankees were projected, by Picota this year. How, how much more are you supposed to do? If that's your median outcome, how much more are you supposed to do? And that's why I just feel like, look, sometimes bad things happen in a cluster. Sometimes Anthony Rizzo has an inexplicable, terrible slump while Aaron Judge is hurt and Giancarlo Stanton, aside from the occasional home run, is useless and DJ LeMayhew has his worst season since he was like 24 years old and Anthony Volpe doesn't develop as fast as you hoped he would and Harrison Bader who even you could deal with just being a league average hitter isn't even quite that and can't stay on the field like there has to be you have to understand I, I at least think you have to understand that all the any one of these things happening totally understandable all of them happening together like, I, I, I question how much a team ought to be expected to predict that. Right. And and no one can argue with with the idea that they've had worse luck, worse, worse experience than you would hope to, uh, you would hope. Uh, I still go back to my original point. Field a nine-man lineup. 
do, do it. Don't feel the Who's five doing that? Line. Don't feel the Who's five Who's doing it? Well, the 2009 Yankees did Who's it. Who's doing it today? Um, well, the Mets are trying to do it, but... <laughs> <laughs> That hasn't worked out so well. Um, wh- what I'm what I'm saying is this, and and this is unreasonable, perhaps, but it's how I feel. There are certain people or organizations from whom I think you're entitled to expect more, and one of them is the New York Yankees. And I go back, as you know, we've discussed it to the days of. Reggie Jackson. Sure. And um, Reggie Jackson, who, if he were around in 2018, would be Giancarlo Stanton, just so we're clear. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, the Yankees went and got. Like, let's right, make no but, bones but, about that. But um, I, I go back to those times and those teams and what I perceived as a greater effort to be great. And. You know, maybe uh, Hal Steinbrenner and I, doesn't he live in Tampa? Does he live in Tampa? I, I assume for some of the year he does. Well, maybe he and I need to have a talk because I think his father would be ashamed of him. So I think this, this is a great, great point to get into because um, you mentioned Reggie Jackson, who, of course, won the World Series for the Yankees, um, basically, uh, but won the World Series with the Yankees in 1977 and 1978 can you because I wasn't I hadn't been born yet can you just give me a sense of what happened in every single season from 1979 to 1995 to the Yankees because I seem like if if my history is correct it might not be I hadn't been born yet if my history is correct George Steinbrenner was in charge for basically that entire time, except weirdly the part at the end where he wasn't allowed to be involved with the team and they suddenly got good. Um, But like there was a, a, a stretch of over a decade there where the Yankees were routinely not competitive. I seem to remember Don Mattingly only making it to the playoffs once ever in his career. So like if, if George would be ashamed of Hal who under his control, the Yankees have, been to the playoffs in what all but three seasons and yet George basically missed them for over a decade straight after the 1981 World Series like can you can you help me understand I that can. one I can I can and it's a lesson that I want you to learn uh, not only as a baseball aficionado but also as a, as a young man making his way in life <laughs> um, and I'm gonna say a few names of people or groups <laughs> the who yeah eddie murphy okay monty python all right and um well, well i'll just go with those three to start one of the greatest albums ever who's next i yep. believe 1972 or 1971 the who never made another album that was close to who's next. Okay. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy had a uh, was the greatest stand-up comedian on the planet and became like kind of a, a head case or a lunatic. Um, he was the greatest stand-up comedian on the planet when he was like 22 years old. Okay. Um, who was the other person I gave you? It was another comedian. It was, oh, it was Monty Python. Monty Python. Uh, genius in the late 60s and early 70s and then like kind of 
really kind of pathetic uh, towards the end of their careers. Nobody is great forever. It's sad. Okay. Um, and so, it, yeah, George Steinbrenner at the end of his life when he was a doddering old man, yeah, the, the Yankees weren't, weren't No, but we're, we're not talking about George Steinbrenner at the end of his life. In 1995, George Steinbrenner was 65 years old. So I'm talking about what he did from like age... 49 to age yeah, 65. That is very old. <laughs> That's extremely old. You have no idea the challenges. Look, I, I, and, you know, you'd be the first to point out also that there are so many teams in baseball now. Like, how impressive was it to win two World Series back to back after, by the way, getting embarrassed in, what was it, 1976? It was 76 against the Reds mm-hmm. when they were swept. Mm hmm. Um, by the big red machina, <laughs> uh, <laughs> grande rojo machina. You could at least have gone for the gender agreement between the color and the noun. Grande machina roja. There, it's better. Um, so winning two World Series back to back, awesome, absolutely great. But if George Steinbrenner was so good at what he did, why did the Yankees not do anything until he had to relinquish control of the team, allow Gene Michael and Bob Watson to build a team instead of like, who did, it was, people were going back on Twitter a few days ago. He traded Ricky Henderson for like a bag of balls so he wouldn't have to pay him like $2 million. Like the George Steinbrenner that you are imagining in your head Probably never existed. Hmm. Well, uh, what I'm trying to say is no one can shine exceptionally brightly forever or really for a really long time. It, it's it's hard. Okay. And um, so that that's what I'm saying about the big Stein. He... Does he want a Kelso? <laughs> he wants a Kelso. <laughs> it's very funny. He loves the Calzone. Um uh, so, look, I'm not saying that George Steinbrenner is a savior. What I said, if and we can play it back if you like. We can. <laughs> is I shouldn't have told him which button that was. His father, uh, Hal Steinbrenner's father, would be ashamed of him. That's what I said. I didn't say Hal Steinbrenner's father would win the World Series every year. I just said he'd be ashamed of him. And 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 let me just shift gears because I know the people. Uh, I, I don't want the metaverse to get bored. Uh, let me just shift gears and say this. You're welcome to. Baseball is a business. The Hal Steinbrenner, I'm sure, would love to win the World Series, but you know what he'd love even more? To make money. And I would have to imagine there's a lot of money in winning the World Series. Sure, sure. But there's also, I'm sure, a lot of money in what he's doing right now. Sure. And what what I'm saying is one of the things that we don't talk about here on Yankees Files is that... Interesting use of we. Well, I consider myself kind of an adjunct <laughs> uh, member of the Yankees Files... Friend of the show. Broadcast. Yeah, yeah, friend of the pod. Sure, friend Isn't of the that pod, what it's absolutely. called? Yeah. I'm like playoff you're, Tanaka. You're in like the... <laughs> You're like the Yankees Files cinematic universe, as it were. I don't know what that means, but I consider myself maybe like a co 
patriarch of the Yankees files? I th- I think a, a co-patriarch is a an accurate way to describe it. Look, and let's be honest about this. This is a little bit of an aside, but let's be honest about this. Not nearly as likable as Doug Whipple. Everybody, <laughs> everybody likes Doug Whipple. He's like the cool history teacher you knew in high school. He is like a cool history teacher. Yes, and everybody likes him. Yep. Um, and You're a more polarizing character than Doug Whipple, I would say. I, I think I am, but you know, here's the thing. And I, uh, you know, I, I don't know Doug Whipple well, but you know, is he more interested in being liked or being <laughs> real? That's. That's, I think, the question. I didn't realize you were going on the campaign trail. I don't. Is this like an in-kind contribution now? <laughs> like, I, I'm just, just. You got to give equal time to Doug Whipple. Maybe he'll come out swinging. But, but, um, look, this is a business, and the thing that we don't talk about on Yankees Files is that this is a business. And, you know, I don't know what all the math is. I know the only thing I do know is when those players struck, all of these teams lost money. It was a money-losing proposition. They were running baseball simply for our enjoyment as a charitable <laughs> enterprise. And, and thank you to all of the owners for that. Um, you're, you're right. Baseball is a business. Um, I, I, I guess what I question is how, how true it is. Because I feel like you're implying that Hal Steinbrenner has run the team in such a way that they have explicitly avoided doing things to make the team better. And I guess technically that's always true, but it's also always true of everyone. Um, So you have to have some standard for at what point is the team good enough? And I think I've been trying to get at that for a lot of this podcast. That's why we talked about the prior performance of the guys who were on the 2009 team. It's why we talked about the prior performance of guys who are on this team. It's why we talked about the way this team was projected to perform. And I think what I'm just not understanding is how do you think about drawing the line of I assess the roster going into the season, and this is how I know it's good enough. Great question. And I forget when it was in your academic career, but you wrote something about American exceptionalism. Do you remember that? Yeah, I did do that. It was senior year of high school. There you go. When I was still your dad. (laughs) Um, And that's... I believe in Yankees exceptionalism. I do too. I don't believe in good enough. I believe in great. I believe in the Yankees going out and trying to do everything they can to win. And, you know, you mentioned the luxury tax. And does, does your grandma listen to this? Yes, she does. Well, screw the luxury <laughs> Sucks tax. Sucks to your you luxury know, exactly. tax. Um, no, I I completely Who cares? I completely agree with you when it comes to how I'd like the Yankees to operate. But I think we need to have a degree of realism here that the luxury tax is something that they consider. But even still, the point stands. I I preface this by saying I too would love if the Yankees went out and got every great player and no other team could have them. I think that would be the best possible way for them to operate. I am furious that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Juan Soto and every other player you can think of is not already on the Yankees. But 
that like even even if that were possible, they only have so many roster spots. So there are always going to be good players on other teams. There are more than 13 good position players in the game of baseball. So that still leads us to this question of going into a season, how do you evaluate if this is a team you should be optimistic about or not? Okay, I'll, and, and I'll be, uh, I do believe in Yankees' exceptionalism, and I think that there's a difference between the Yankees constructing a team and the Chicago White Sox constructing a team. But, there is, but, but today there's but, not okay. much of a difference between the Yankees constructing a team and the Mets or Dodgers constructing okay. a team. But, but what, I, what I'm here to say is I hate the phrase good enough, but I will say this, good enough isn't a five-man lineup. Good, these guys, they have garbage players. Josh Donaldson, garbage Josh player. Josh Donaldson is never going to play Thank another God. game for the New York Thank Yankees. Thank God. I, I, there aren't enough bad things that can happen to Josh Donaldson as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but just a garbage, awful, terrible player. IKF, garbage, awful, terrible player. I don't want to see these people You're saying on, things on the that field. I agree with. And, and so what I want is a credible nine-man lineup. This is what I want. I want nine hitters that are league average or better. That's what I would like. And I think, is, is that good enough? I think uh, that might be good enough. But God bless you and Whipple for your dedication to and love for this team because to me the Yankees are like a restaurant that you go to uh this year okay. many times and the food is lousy <laughs> and people say oh you got to keep coming back though um the 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 product they're putting on the field is garbage there's no way in the world this team should be performing the way it's performing and it isn't my job as a regular person Nine to five lunch pail Joe you're that so, I, I am. I don't think you're regular. I think you're special. That's sweet of you. <laughs> um, uh, to to figure out how the Yankees ought to be good. It's the Yankees' job to figure out how they ought to be good. But even I can tell that they're not trying hard enough. I, I, I again feel like you've avoided the question. Um, like... I how how well do you remember like the 1987 Yankees? Probably poorly. They were probably terrible. Not well. I was Danny Tartable on that team. He could have been. It's um, so funny. I had a a friend, uh, the funniest guy I ever know, a guy named Paul Aidey. Shout out to Paul Aidey. We know he's listening. He probably is. And his father got mad at Danny Tartable during a game <laughs> and called him Danny Tartable bullshit. <laughs> 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 oh, that's phenomenal. That's really good. Uh, Danny Tartable was not yet on the Yankees uh, in 1987, okay. but he was on the Yankees from 1992 uh, okay. to 1994. And in 1992 and 1993, they were bad. So, I mean, you, I, I just am having so much trouble squaring. You watched this team run by George Steinbrenner, run out the Danny Tartables and Tony Fernandez's and rest in peace, by the way, and all these just terrible players of the world. And, like, w did you have this same ire and outrage then? Like, what what is it that changed, if um, anything? Well, a, a few things. 
the first thing is I want to go back to what I said before because I think you are mischaracterizing what I said about Steinbrenner, which is that he would be ashamed of hell, not that he would have put a perfect team and that he did put a perfect team on the field every year. Okay, so he was probably often ashamed of himself then. Could have been. You okay. know, we, we we fall short sometimes. We, we do. That's right. Um, uh, but your question was where was the ire? Um, one of the things I wasn't doing in... 1992 and 1993 was spending a lot of time listening to my son and his friend talk about how great this team that wasn't great actually was. I don't think we've insisted that this team is great. We've often insisted that they ought to be better than people feel like they are and better than they've been. I think you've said that they have the potential to be a great team and I've disagreed. Okay. Um, and I, I stand by it being reasonable at the beginning of the season to think that this team had the potential to be a great team. I, I don't think that's weird at all. I'm not saying it's weird. Yeah. I'm saying I disagree with it. Which, which is fine. I think, I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess I don't mean it wasn't weird. I mean, I think it was objectively correct. The Yankees have, you know, t- two of the five best pitchers in baseball over the past few years and Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon. Like if you, if we're talking about like March 1st and Nestor Cortez just had the last two seasons that he had, Carlos Rodon just has the last two seasons that he had. Luis Severino comes off a very good 2022. You obviously have Garrett Cole there. You add in the bullpen that they have, that they added Tommy Canely to. Jonathan Loisago was healthy at this time. Lou Trevino was healthy at this time. You add in the fact that they have Aaron Judge, who just had the best non-Barry Bonds season since Mickey Mantle. You add in Giancarlo Stanton, who for much of last year was very good. You add in Anthony Rizzo, who for much of last year, or for all of last year, was very good, and the shift ban. You add in the fact that they're calling up a top-five prospect in the sport. You add in the fact that DJ LeMahieu was very good until his injury last year. Like, why wouldn't you have felt good about this team? This Again, I keep coming back to the fact that it feels like you watch this team play 90 games and then you go see I told you they weren't good at like at, I don't feel like you did come into the season going you know what this team isn't any good you came in you came on the podcast when they were like eight and four and you were like or nine and six and you were like man nine and six that means they were eight and six last night like <laughs> there you go there you go I, I I've been skeptical about this team from the outset I think the metaverse will will recognize that I think the record will show it um I am. And and look, I don't think it's hard to recognize or accept the point that running out below average offensive players every night isn't a recipe for success. I, I agree with that to extent because last year they did run out multiple below average offensive players very often and they won 99 games. Um, but continuing, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, you know what? This is ridiculous and we're going to have to confront it. And I'm sorry to the people on the podcast that they have to see this. Okay. I think we've agreed that ain't nobody trying to win every regular season game. So yeah, the Yankees won 99 games. They won 99 games playing against people who were laying down at times. I'm not impressed with 99 games. What I am impressed with... They dominated the AL East. All of those teams were trying to win. What I'm impressed with is playoff wins. That's what I'm impressed with. Okay. Okay? 
And and this so wait, no, this this actually gets us back to a great place because what you have told me over the course of this podcast is that you know whether or not a team is good going into the playoffs based on how well they played in the regular season. You differentiated between teams that sneak into the playoffs and teams that cruise into the playoffs. And now you're telling me that actually the measure of success is playoff wins. So which one is it? Would you I, rather be the 2022 Yankees or the 2022 Phillies? Because this team is going to win basically exactly as many games as the 2022 Phillies. So which one is it? So what I was talking about, and I think, again, the record will demonstrate it, is how the team is constructed. Are they constructed to be a consistent winner? How do you measure that if not by how many games they win? You do measure it by how many games they win, but how many games they win that matter. So... so in, in that case, in this framework that you've just described, there is room for a team that habitually wins 86 games in the regular season, gets into the wild card, and then has playoff success by some miracle. Depends on how they're constructed. If it's what a does miracle, that mean? What that means is don't roll out a five-man lineup. But what, is, I, I, what I'm not understanding is what is the team that habitually has mediocre regular seasons and successful playoffs or really good... Regular seasons and bad playoffs. You are right to the extent that what you're saying is a well-constructed team ought to win lots of games, games that are contested and games that aren't. That's true. Mm -hmm. But can I tell you the difference between a well-constructed team that wins 99 games and a well-constructed team that wins 90 games? Probably not. But I can tell you the difference between a well-constructed team and a poorly constructed team. Okay, so... This, I mean, this begs further questions. The Dodgers won 110 games last year, lost in the division series. The Giants won 107 games the year before, lost in the division series. It w- was there what had it doesn't well it constructed like, teams? Well constructed. What do you teams. mean well constructed teams? I mean well constructed teams. What I mean so, is, but so were those teams poorly constructed because they lost in the division no, series? No, they weren't. Then the but the Yankees were poorly constructed because they got swept in the ALCS. They were. They were poorly constructed before they got swept in the ALCS. The the Dodgers will were well constructed before they lost. The point here is, and you've said it a million times, this is a high variance sport where small numbers of games don't necessarily reflect the quality of the team. And and you're right. And so in any so then why seven game series, well, hang on, I'll explain, I'll answer it. In any seven game series, a team can get unlucky. The ball can bounce the wrong way. You can't figure baseball, Susan. <coughs> Excuse me. All you can do. You're being struck down for having a bad take. <laughs> all, you <can> do, <laughs> all you can do is construct the best team possible. And the thing that I don't hear you saying is, no, listen. Ikef is really actually a good player, and he's the right guy. Because I don't guy. think that. Listen, and I don't think the Yankees think that. Um, well, then the Yankees ought to go and get a better player. They, That's what I'm saying. The Yankees. So, where has Ikef played this year? Everywhere, right? Basically everywhere. But he was the starting shortstop last year. He's not anymore. I think he started one game at shortstop this year. Um, he was like basically became in spring training like the emergency center fielder because 
Aaron Judge and Harrison Bader both got hurt. I don't think that's something that you go, oh, yeah, the Yankees' plan was for both their center fielders to get hurt and then IKF to play there. Oswaldo Cabrera, who was good last year, has been miserable. That So, you know, back of the baseball card, to your point, you would have oh, felt that's good. Not a representative sample. Oh, but it was for Melky Cabrera? Like, what are we what are we doing here, Dad? Come on. Talent evaluation. <laughs> like, I, I, I just feel like you are, in many cases, arguing against yourself. When the Yankees lose meaningful games, it's because they're poorly constructed. When the Dodgers lose meaningful games, it's random variance. Me, when the Yankees win a lot of... Uh, regular season games, it's in spite of being poorly constructed. When the Giants win a bunch of regular season games, it's because they're well constructed. Me, How do you me, square me, these things? Let me see if I can. I can only say it as clearly as I can say it. And, and as I've said many times on this podcast, the metaverse will judge me. And I will, I will accept the judgment of the metaverse. And you've always been good about that. Thank you. <laughs> um, you've got to put the best team on the field that you can. You've got to put credible players on the field. I've said it a million times, and I've given the Yankees too much credit because I've said they have a six-man lineup, and really it's a this year it's the best kind of a four-man lineup, but maybe it's a five-man lineup if you've as you've described it, and I'll accept that. You gotta give yourself the best chance to win. And I argue that some of the players that the Yankees have accepted, and they shouldn't accept them, don't give them the best chance to win. I can't explain to you the difference between 100 games and 110 games or 90 and 99, but what I can tell you is the only thing you can do because this is a high-variance sport is put the best product on the field, and I don't believe that the Yankees have made a sufficient effort to do that. That's all I can tell you about that. I, I grasp that criticism, and... I agree that there are things the Yankees didn't do that they should have done. Um, and players who ought to be on this team who aren't. And we are still, you know, 11 days to the trade deadline. And I expect the Yankees to do some things. But I, I just, I can't shake the feeling that you are very frequently arguing against yourself in in every other case the playoffs are random and the regular season is representative of how good you are and you know all of these things but when it comes to the Yankees that all goes no, out the window no and I'll and I'll explain that you've said well look the Dodgers win 110 games and then they lose in the playoffs that's an excuse that's not an explanation the explanation no, it's is a, the it's, Dodgers it's a representation are a well-constructed of the fact team. that baseball is a sport in which weird stuff happens right. in short series. Right, right. And they're a well-constructed team. Well-constructed teams can lose. Poorly constructed teams, a la your point about the Phillies, can win. But on balance, you ought to expect a well-constructed team to be more likely to win than a poorly constructed one. And what I'm asking for is a well-constructed team, and I'll roll the dice. I'll accept the outcome of whatever the season gives us with a well-constructed team, but I will not watch. And I, I'm, I'm telling the Yankees right now. And they're listening. I, and I'm coming out and telling Much the like Yankees. Paul Ayudi's dad. Don't expect me to watch garbage. Do not put Josh Donaldson in your lineup and expect me to watch him. Not doing it. Not going to do that. <laughs> not going to that. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. 
this has been, you know, one of the more wide ranging episodes of or installment. <laughs> My biggest regret is telling you which <laughs> button that was. <laughs> um, this has been one of the more wide ranging installments of Dad Take or Bad Take. Props to me for coming up with some stats, though. Props to you for coming up with some stats. I I have to say it really, as much as I disagree with some of the ways that you characterize things and some of the points that you made while we had this discussion, I've been absolutely overcome with pride that you cited WRC Plus. And you know what? As a credit to you, I will not ask you to explain what it is that WRC Plus Look, the is. The people don't want to hear me do <laughs> people that. People don't want to hear you do You that. know what? They know. They know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so, and and I, I, I think that was great. You know, major props to you for, for doing that and for bringing those along. I am impressed and proud. Uh, so, you, you know where this is going. Oh, I do. And we talked about it a little bit at dinner, and I'm, I think you're about to set a record. So, um, why don't you just tell the people where this is going, just for, for folks. Yeah, so where this is going is we obviously, we end every podcast with uh, a rating of our confidence in this team on a scale of 1 to 10. We also ask each guest to do the same. Without further ado, Dad, your, your rating. And Will, uh, maybe there is just a little bit more ado because uh, the first, I, I, I asked you a question tonight and that was, does the rating have to be a positive number? Yeah, so we're, we're dealing with, um, you know, some people call them natural numbers or counting numbers. Uh, and we, we actually exclude zero, so it's even a slightly smaller set, but it's still, um, yeah, just, you know, one, two, three, does four. Does it have to be an integer? No, no, it doesn't have to be an integer. Okay. Do you know what an integer is? No, I don't <laughs> think so. Because <laughs> that was a legitimate question. It's so funny because I was like, is one through ten an integer? I don't know if yep. any one of those or all of yep. them are integers. They're, they're all integers. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I would say that that uh, I'm probably at a four with this team. Okay. Um, and it's they used to have like the top forty countdown, and there was something like whatever the number was, and then with a bullet, which I think meant it, either it was going up or the band was about to be shot. <laughs> um, and whatever the opposite of a bullet is, I'm a four with an anchor or an oh. anvil. Okay. Um. Uh, I'm just, I, I, and I got to be honest, and I know the Yankees are listening. I'm so disappointed. I'm, I'm so disappointed in this team. I share that. Uh, and just, uh, you know, we only, when you, when you start to get to be my age, well, you realize you only have, a, you know, some, some number of baseball seasons left, and to see what the Yankees are doing with, you know, one of the remaining seasons of my life. It's just, it's really, it's really troubling. When did your grandfather die? So I was thinking about that today because um, I was trying to think about whether he ever saw the Yankees win the World Series after 1950. They, didn't they win the World Series in 61? 
one oh, Mantle and Maris both. Oh, maybe they did. Okay. So so I, I was trying to think whether he saw them win again um, after then it would be 61, and I don't think he did because um, he died in 19... They won in 61 and 62. Okay, in 62 yeah. then. Uh, and I don't think he did. I think... Um, I think he died in 1976 or 77. But, but before the World but Series. before the World Series. So, um, now, uh, mind you, he had a pretty good run during his life. He did, including, think, you know, a five-peat. Yeah, I don't think anybody... There, there, there isn't going to be anybody who has a 65-year life who sees that yeah. for his team yeah. again. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I it's it's just it's just really disappointing, and and I get, um, I get upset because I feel like it insults your intelligence to see people put a bad product on the field and expect you to patronize it. Yeah, I you know I also wish the Yankees were playing better this year. I'm probably still more bullish on their potential to play better over the remainder of the year than you are, but. We'll see. So thank you for joining us on another installment of Dad Take or Bad Take. Uh, it's been a long one, so I might need to do kind of like a, an abbreviated cut in a director's cut. We, or maybe this is just a we need episode. The, well, I, 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 we don't want to deprive the people of the whole cut. I'm just saying. You know what? I think, you're, I think this is getting released as its own episode. Love it. Congratulations. Love so, it. So uh, with that, wow, I guess I got to do like the whole real outro. Uh, do you have any parting shots before we wrap up here? Just um, regards to Whipple. Regards to Whipple. Uh, I hope Doug Whipple uh, appears and, and has a, a, uh, a long and interesting dad take or bad take uh, segment. And you can't tell me what your rating is going to be this week because that would be a spoiler, right? Yeah, that would be a spoiler. I think I have to save that for the, the main episode. Okay. Um, All right. I'm guessing more than four, but whatever. <laughs> I'm surprised you went that high, honestly. All right, so people know they can find us at yankeesfiles.com. On Twitter, we are at yankeesfiles. We are at yankeesfiles podcast on TikTok, and the podcast is available wherever, wherever podcast, you get your podcast. Exactly, wherever. I knew wherever was Thanks. one of the words. Yeah, that was, that was really good. You didn't step on that at all. Well, I can do this, though. Um, you want people to like yeah. and subscribe. Uh-huh. And if they don't like... Yep. You want them just to subscribe. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate that. You've been listening. Uh, so follow those instructions as you interact with the podcast on your preferred platform. I can't say, unfortunately, this time that we, uh, the we who have done this podcast, will be back same time, same place next week. But there will be more Yankees Files content coming your way soon. Until then, let's go Yankees.